really been blessed going through the Psalms the last few months. We'll probably uh, be in them for about four or five more weeks and then jump most likely into an epistle, uh, praying about the exact timing in that. But it's been a great blessing, you know, uh, going through these, these, these wonderful passages and scriptures. And uh, if you notice this morning, I titled the message, Praise the Lord. And this is a psalm that greatly emphasizes praising the Lord. It's really written in a poetic fashion in the Hebrew. Outside of the very first proclamation of praise the Lord, there's 22 phrases here. And each one of them start with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. I'm not going to get into that a whole lot more than just sharing that. Because, um, look, it, I struggle enough with the English here. So, um, But, but it's, it's neat to know that, that it was written in that way. And you'll see that as we go through it. Because, again, it's a proclamation of praise to the Lord. And we'll see it's a call to praise God with our whole heart. And we've seen that through many of these psalms. We've been looking at that, looking at praising God with our whole heart, all of our person and so forth, with all that's in us. It's come up many times, that phrase. And so we'll see that this morning and talk about praising the Lord, what it is and what it isn't and so forth, and how glorious it is when we come together uh, as, as believers in Christ and praise God together. There's special things that take place and so forth. And then in the psalm, again, as it's written in that poetic way, there's all these different, you know, statements that give reason to praise God, to speak of his person and his attributes and his faithfulness and so forth, as well as instruction for us on how to live lives to the praise of God. Because praising God goes far beyond us singing. It goes far beyond song. It's how we live our lives to the glory of the Lord. And so uh, let's read through it together. It's 10 verses, and then we'll dive into this and uh, take it a verse at a time. Spend more time in verse 1 and probably verse 10 at the end, but uh, let's read it together. Praise the Lord. Notice the exclamation point there. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious. And his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. And he will be ever, he will ever be mindful of his covenant. Verse 6. He has declared to his people the power of his works. And giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Again, notice how it starts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord or hallelujah. It means to revere the Lord, to worship the Lord, to boast of the Lord, to celebrate the Lord, to commend the Lord, to sing of the Lord. And notice, it's a declaration. It's the psalmist say, praise the Lord. But it's also, take note, it is a command. It's a call to us to praise the Lord. And then notice what he says next, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. It's also a determination. I will praise the Lord. 
And notice he doesn't say, I will praise the Lord when everything's going good. And he doesn't just say, I'll praise the Lord when things are going bad and they're going bad because I wasn't praising the Lord, so I'll praise the Lord to get things going good again, then I'll go back to doing things bad. No, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Meaning it will be the determination of my life. I will, I will exercise my will to praise the Lord. And I'll tell you, when it comes to praising the Lord, we need to take on that mindset. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes, I'll, I'll, I'll admit this morning, there's sometimes I don't feel like praising the Lord. Anyone ever there? And it's not because he isn't worthy of being praised in that moment. He is every moment of my life. But I have a flesh nature that wants to battle against being a new creation in Christ in my spirit. And let's face it, sometimes you just get tired and beat up and sick and there's stuff going on and so forth. And that's where we got to step back and say, listen, in all of this, I will praise the Lord. I will put the flesh in a chokehold and I will make it submit and I will praise the Lord. That mentality has to be taken on by us. And I'll tell you, there is great joy. There's great joy in that to say, I will hunger and thirst for righteousness. Even when I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, I will praise the Lord. Man, that will set your life in a good, in, in, a, in, a, in a good direction, in the best direction to praise the Lord. And listen, we're called to praise the Lord because he's worthy of all praise, amen, for who he is and for all that he does. And really, the, the, the more we recognize him, who he is, and all that he does, all that he's done, all he's doing, all he is going to do, let me tell you, out of that, that recognition, and it's why it's so important we have him before us, we have his word before us, we're worshiping our eyes upon him, really out of that, praise comes forth when we have our eyes on the Lord, when we see things biblically. When we see past the end of our nose to even know in trials and tribulations, God's hand is in this. God's working a good work in this. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. His promises, they're yes and amen. And throughout scripture, when you see the people of God, seeing God and seeing what God is doing, listen, even in the most grumbling groups, praise comes forth from them. A great example, and we've talked a lot about this recently on Wednesday night, is we're, uh, we just finished Joshua chapter 6. So, you know, we're in this whole time, and there's so much reference of Israel coming out of Egypt and the deliverance and so forth, those 40 years in the wilderness. Now they're going in the promised land. But we looked at it again recently where here they are in bondage there in Egypt for a good 400 plus years really enslaved there and the lord comes and brings all of the signs and wonders delivers them out of egypt through the shed blood of the lamb and then remember they get out and and the lord takes them a long way around and they're there at the red sea and the next thing you know they hear a a, a rumbling a shaking of the earth and it's the egyptian army saying hey we're going to bring you back to slavery And they're in the middle between that Red Sea and that Egyptian army. And what do they do? They go back to their flesh nature and they begin to complain. You just brought us out here to kill us because there's not enough graves in Egypt to bury us there. There's plenty of land in Egypt to bury them there. That's what God wanted to do. But when we lean on our understanding, we get stupid, right? God was gracious. God was merciful. God gave Moses some instruction. And he put his rod on that Red Sea. And what did he do? It split open. 
Can you imagine that? Seeing two walls of water and two million people walking through on dry land. And as soon as they get through, here comes the Egyptian army and enough of them get in there. So God says, bring the, bring the, bring the walls down and they're all drowned. These oppressors of them for, you know what, hundreds of years. And listen, that group would go back to complaining soon after. But at that moment, they recognized God. They saw the hand of God at Exodus 15 as the song of Moses that they all sung. They danced and so forth. And they gave praise to the Lord because they recognized who God was and what God was doing. Again, Exodus 15, 1, And Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord, spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, and the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He's my God, and I will praise him. My Father God, I will exalt him. Praise is just pouring out of them because, again, they're seeing who God is and what God was doing, what God had just done. The Lord's always at work. I mean, really just thinking on the cross alone, no matter where we are in life, should bring praise to the Lord. Yeah, it's a fallen world. At times there's difficulties and so forth. But Jesus died for my sins. He rose from the grave and I'm saved by grace through faith in him. Praise be to the Lord. Again, this group, they were told to remember, remember you were delivered out because if you remember you were delivered out of Egypt, you'll give praise to the Lord. Deuteronomy 5.15, and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember that. Keep the right perspective so that you will praise the Lord instead of moving back to the sins of Egypt and of the Canaanites before them. But sadly, listen, when praise is not pouring out of us so often, it's because, again, we're short-sighted. We're not remembering who God is. We're forgetting what God is doing and what he's done and what he's going to do. Because notice Psalm 106, 13. They soon forgot his works. I did not wait for his counsel. But lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And then notice verse 15. He gave them the request and sent leanness into their souls. And we looked at that recently. How, again, they complained, we want meat. And so God sent the quail. And they just, while the meat was in their teeth, it says that leanness or a plague came upon them. Because even when they got what they wanted, they didn't praise the Lord. They weren't thankful for it. Oh, Lord, let us remember your person what you're doing, what you've done, and what you're going to do at every turn. Can we say amen to that? That praise will come from us. Now notice next, he says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Heartfelt praise to the Lord. Even hearts given to the Lord so that even when I don't feel like praising because he has my heart, again, I'll praise him anyway. And I'll do it in sincerity and truth. And we need to know this morning, the Bible makes it very clear, that is our chief call, that is our chief purpose, to praise the Lord, to give glory to God. Listen to some of these verses. Let them just come in and minister to you and encourage you and even set you free if you think you have a different chief purpose. You don't. Isaiah 43, 21, This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 18. It's really contrasting what the world says 
our chief aim is versus what God says our chief aim should be. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin a man does is outside the body, but who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know, notice, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our bodies, our spirits belong to God. And absolutely, we are called to glorify God with our body, with our spirits, to praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When you go to breakfast after service this morning, Praise the Lord in it. Do it all for the glory of God. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I'll give you one more. 1 Peter 2, 9, For you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people. You're special. Why are we all those things? That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous night light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are all these things that we would proclaim his praise, that we would give him glory. Now listen, does God need our praise? There's some people they want to, oh, what kind of petty God is this? He needs praise and he calls us to worship him. Oh man, what what an ego and so forth. God doesn't need your praise nor my praise. He is God. He is perfectly complete on his own. (laughs) He's not in need of our praise, our worship, or anything else. He is God. He's worthy of all praise, worthy of all glory, worthy of all honor at every single turn. And our praise does bless his heart. Sin grieves his heart. But listen, praise, when we're walking on our purpose to praise the Lord, it brings us into fellowship with him. And when we're praising, praising him, living a life for him, again, wanting to walk with him and so forth, that's us walking in the light. Again, we come into the light by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ And then that fellowship abounds when we are a people that praise the Lord. When I say, I will praise the Lord no matter what, we're going to give praise to God. It brings us into fellowship with the giver of life. And listen, if you're lacking life this morning, maybe you're like, ah, my life's horrible. Then absolutely, you need to come to the Lord, open the door and start fellowshipping with him and praising the Lord. That's where abundant life is found. Again, that Laodicean church there in Revelation 3, I won't read it all, but the Lord says you're poor, miserable, blind, you're naked, you're a wretched group. He's telling this to the end times church. And then he advises them to buy from them gold refined in the fire. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. And then notice, notice the answer. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. How do you open that door? Oh, Lord God, wash me. I praise you. I give you glory. I give you honor. That's how that door is open. 
Look at it again, praise the Lord. It's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful saying, but it does need to be said with real meaning. We don't want to say praise the Lord when we're really living the life of a scoundrel and using that as a weapon of deception. I grew up in a time when there was a television show that was immensely popular even with Christian called Praise the Lord. And uh, my mom would turn it on every night. She usually would turn it on because it would get us to leave the living room. <laughs> Here comes old Jim Baker. Oh, I'm out. You know, I'm out. <laughs> He's very clever in doing that. I remember one time I was watching that, and I was a little kid, and it stirred my heart. They were building some orphanage or something, and it was like, for every dollar, you buy a brick. And I kind of do the math on that now, and I think that's too much for a brick in like 1978 or whatever it was. But I remember I wrote a little letter, and I sent a dollar, and then they gave me the $100 gift. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I got a Jim Baker record and so forth. (laughs) Look at that Jim Baker record here. I didn't have a record player, but I had a record. But listen, it wasn't maybe six months or a year after that that it came out that this dude was a scoundrel. Squandering finances, affairs, ugliness. It impacted me. It devastated me as a little kid. Devastated me. And then in, in, in high school, or it, for, for a couple years, my dad pastored a church in seventh, eighth, in the beginning of my ninth grade year, and the worship leader was molesting his daughter, who was one of my best friends. That's, that's a little bit of background of my Christianity growing up. Praise the Lord is not meant to be, you know what, a phony phrase put out there, hiding actions that are wicked and foul. But let me tell you, I've been around long enough. I don't know people's hearts, but I can look at fruit. I've seen many, many, many that walk in such a way. I've seen guys saying, praise the Lord. It becomes actually their catchphrase. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Meanwhile, they're chasing a skirt when no one even knows they're married. See, this is where this this psalm talks about the fear of the Lord. We need to have a fear of the Lord in these things. Because I can say, praise the Lord and look spiritual and so forth. But God really knows what's going on in my life. And maybe someone in here right now is sweating. Well, listen, bring that before God and really repent so you can really praise the Lord. Because we're all scoundrels outside of Jesus Christ. We all need to get washed. But let's not game play with the Lord and take phrases like this to put forth something that's fake. Something that should be our chief aim to praise the Lord. Using that as a weapon of deception should never be the case. And we also want to make sure it doesn't just become a vain repetition. Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And I know a lot of times when we think of taking the Lord's name in vain, we think of someone, you know what, cursing and so forth, you know, GD, whatever it is, JC, whatever it is, when they get angry, and some people just flows out of them. But also, we can fall into a place taking the Lord's name in vain. Oh, praise the Lord when we're not giving praise to the Lord. That should have meaning, amen? Look at in times past, there was cultures and so forth. They, 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 they had such a fear of God, there were certain names of God that wouldn't even come out of their mouth. 
because they had a fear of the Lord. We don't want to be in that place that Israel fell into so many times where they were in the day of Jesus when the Lord said in Matthew 15, 8, these people draw, to, draw near me in their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Get hold of our heart, Lord. Again, we want to utter praise the Lord out of a hearts that have an aim, and I'll emphasize that word, an aim to be fully yielded to him. Because it seems like at times it's an up and down thing, right? But our aim should be, I want to be yielded to him. Psalm 103, 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And if that's our aim, we need to make sure the things we're sowing into us are things that praise the Lord, that will come out of us are things that praise the Lord. As we looked at so many times, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll also reap. And maybe this morning as you're sitting here, you're like, man, I haven't really been praising the Lord. I just sow things into my life continually that not only don't praise the Lord, they mock the Lord and they, you know, they blaspheme God. Have you noticed there's a lot of things that mock the Lord and blaspheme the name of the Lord in our world? And they seem to be abounding more and more and more. Well, listen, there's answers. God wants to meet us where we're at. Notice, came across this verse so encouraged by it. Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy. And then notice what he says next. Break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord. Amen. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. For you have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity. And so again, if we just want to sow in things that blaspheme God that are abominable before God, which is it's most of the entertainment in this world, we're going to reap iniquity. Oh, Steve's getting legalistic. He's saying, don't watch television. Look, you can watch whatever you want. you got freedom in Christ. But know this, if we just sow in abominable things continually, we won't be blessed in the long run. We'll reap iniquity. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Notice verse 13. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own ways and the multitude of your mighty men. Oh, Lord, break up the fallow ground in our hearts. Amen. Break up the fallow ground and refuge church that all the more we would sow the things of the Lord into our hearts so we would walk in our chief aim to praise the Lord. And let me tell you, life's found there. Joy's found there. Truth's found there. Liberty's found there. I told you, you spend a little more time in verse 1. Notice what he says next. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. It's a glorious thing to gather together in the name of the Lord, is it not? It's such a blessing. It's a blessing gathering in the youth room this morning with just, just, just the, the whole circle full of way around of, of people, you know, fellowshipping and then the prayer and the worship. It was glorious. And then to come out of that room and see people coming early and fellowshipping and so forth. And, you know, it was almost like there's a buzz in there. Yeah, because we're here to praise the Lord. And in a world where there's, there's fewer and fewer people that want to praise the Lord, though it's a world where people are getting saved and born again, praise God. It's such a blessing to gather together in a congregation and the assembly of the upright to praise the Lord, to give glory to God. 
Again, the upright, those right with him positionally through faith in the Lord and those who have an aim to live upright practically. They want to live right before God practically. It's a call to praise the Lord with folks genuinely saved through the genuine gospel, serving the genuine Jesus. And here, this, you know, when we gather together in such a way as a congregation, look, there, there is a lot of joy in in our fellowship with one another. You know, there, 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 there's, I'll use the word that I think it gets abused, but there, there's happiness and fun found in that. It's okay to have fun. And when the fun's the fellowship together. I saw guys having fun yesterday breaking up center blocks out there. God has given us jokes and sense of humor and so forth. But hear this. Our worship to the Lord should be sacred. It should be marked with reverence. We should know there's a time to glorify God in our fellowship and encouraging each other and, you know, even smiling. Hey, you know what? Have you heard this or that? You know, that's good. But when we say, hey, let's worship the Lord in song, my hope would be, and I think we're growing in this as a fellowship, that our hope would be, okay, let's put the distractions aside, and as a congregation, let's make it our aim right now to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. To give glory to God. We see the charge throughout the word. Throughout the psalm, it comes up over and over again. Psalm 22, 25 my praise shall be to you. In the great assembly, I will pay my vows before those who fear him. Do you fear him this morning? Let's pay our vows together before those that fear God. Look at in this room, we can appreciate when there's a brother or sister praising the Lord with us. In the world, we're going to get mocked. Psalm 35, 18, I will give you thanks. In the great assembly, I will praise you among many people. Psalm 89, 7, great is God to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held notice in reverence by those around him. We want that balance, that, again, not, not a fake piety or a, 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 that comes out of a legalism or self-righteousness, a joy and fellowship, loving each other, you know, being real with one another, then at the same time, look at, Let's worship the Lord and being real with each other and loving each other. And, 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 and again, ministering, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice. And then let's lift our voices in a congregation with the reverence and praise the Lord. I saw that this morning in that third song, that Revelation song. I'm not saying it wasn't here across the board, but there was, there was just a, a pray, like a, a, a worship going up that was glorious. I want to abound in that. I want us to grow in that together. And let me tell you, glorious things come out of that. Psalm 22, 3, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel or enthroned in the praises of your people. This world's under the sway of the wicked one. We're in the hands of God, and when we praise him again, I, I just think of the, you know, the air or the spiritual battles going on. He inhabits our praise. There in Acts 4, they gather together after being persecuted, and, and their prayer starts with praising God. And it says, as they were in one accord, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to get filled with the Spirit, strength from upon high, 
day in and day out. And let me tell you, it's glorious when it happens collectively. Colossians 3, 15 through 16, it talks about, you know, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I know I'm admonished when I gather with others in the great assembly and people are worshiping God. That encourages me. It admonishes me. It builds me up. And then I'll tell you as well, when we come together in the assembly and we praise God, we get a little taste of heaven in this world that's headed for hell outside of those who call on his name. And you go through Revelation and you see picture after picture after picture. And what are they doing in glory? They're giving praise to God. We're at verse two finally. We'll go a little quicker in these. I'll probably refer to most of these passages and won't read them through. But that's why you got notes. The works of the Lord are great study by all who have pleasure in them. Again, his works are great, they abound. We know in six days he created the earth. That, that not only did he create it, and the scripture says, in him all things consist, he sustains it. Let, let's not get short-sighted of that. That's, that's awesome. It, it really shows the gap between God and man. It, it's, it's a vast gap that you can't even see how broad the gap is. He's God. And then John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You talk about the great works of God. He came and died on the cross for our sins. And listen, Revelation 22, 7, Of so many, behold, I am coming quickly. Great works are still to come. The Lord's coming soon. And notice, study by those who have pleasure in them. Those who praise the Lord take pleasure in studying his works, studying his works revealed in creation, studying his works revealed in the word of God. I found when folks ignore the word of God, it seems they have a lack of reverence for God. You get in the word and absolutely you want to praise the Lord. God does not have a lack of reverence for his word. It says in Psalm 38 2, 138 2, you've magnified your word above all of your name. And then notice in this study, we're to be diligent to present ourselves approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2, 15. You want to abound in praise, abound in the word of God. I find so many times I'm in my devotions and I'm reading, I'm like, oh, praise God. Oh, this is so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for correcting me in that. Thank you for showing me that, Lord. Oh, let me take that to heart so that I don't step in the same place of error or so forth. Thank you for your instruction, Lord. Notice verse 3, his work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. The word honorable here, it means full of grandeur, beauty, excellence, glory, majesty. And I was thinking about this. Again, the grandeur of God's works, you know, refer to creation and the work of the cross and him saving sinners, his soon return, the millennial reign of Christ, the new heaven and new earth. And think about this. At the same time that all that's going on, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He says, to cast all your cares upon me because I care for you all of the cares. Oh, we're out of paper clips. What are we going to do? 
Lord, you know our need. All the cares. Not glorious. I got a paper cut. I got a hangnail. God cares about that. Because, oh, oh, hangnail. Oh, got a paper cut. God cares. That's honorable. The thoughts towards us outnumber the sands of the seas. And as awesome and powerful he is, he's concerned with every detail, everything we go through. Praise the Lord. Amen. And again, his righteousness endures forever. He is everlasting. An everlasting, in everlasting consistency. He doesn't change. He's not moody. At every turn and every judgment, he's upright. Verse 4, he made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And his works will be remembered forever. You know, when we were going through Romans, and I've, I've touched on this a few times, it just really stood out to me, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and why we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And what stands out to me, it doesn't say, but God demonstrated. It doesn't say demonstrated. He demonstrates. It's an ongoing demonstration of God's love for us, the ultimate work that will be remembered forever and ever and ever and ever. 10 million million years into eternity we'll remember the work of the cross and that demonstration we'll go i'm i'm here because of what jesus did we'll we'll, we'll really know that then sometimes we're like well you know i'm a pretty good guy up there we're gonna it's all jesus it's all jesus that's why i'm here and encouragement as well listen his works are remembered forever and then the good works we allow him to do through us which i would say come out of hearts yielded to him using the gifts that he has given to us they're going to be remembered as well aimless conduct though vain living wicked works living for you know it's self-made monuments they're going to burn like wood and stubble and we read there in first corinthians 3 and it talks about this you know what a fire is going to come in the day of judgment and those things again done unto man and men they're going to burn away but those things done unto the Lord through the power of the Lord and the strength of the Lord and so forth, they are going to pass through the fire. And we're going to get crowns from that that we're going to use to do what? Praise the Lord. To praise the Lord with. To put them at his feet. Also one other note on this where it says again, his, he made his wonderful works to be remembered because you can come at this from different angles. They are going to be remembered. Those works we do in his name by his strength will be remembered. But listen, his works are also to be remembered in that they are to be thought on. It's not, well, I read that and now I forgot that. No, I read that and now I want to remember that. I want to practice biblical meditation, which isn't some, you know what, mindless, you know, uh, you know that, that, that's not biblical meditation. We're called to worship God with our mind and to think on God's word. Here's a real encouragement for you. Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. And then notice what it says next. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. That sounds good to me. Prospering in the Lord. A success in the Lord. As I meditate upon God's word. It's again, you think on it. It's, these things are, 
are, are to be remembered. And as you remember them, then you will be able to do, to observe and do them. And then there is, you'll make your way prosperous. Some people, they don't want to praise the Lord. They don't want to think on the word of God. They don't want to sow the things of God in their life. But they say, oh, but God, make my way prosperous. This is why it says, I will praise the Lord. Yes, God is the one ultimately that brings a prosperity in the sense of biblical prosperity, abounding in the Lord, not not the Jim Baker stuff. (laughs) Sadly, he's right back to that stuff again. Thought a dude repented. He's a snake oil salesman now. I digress. I'll get going on a tangent here. (laughs) I just hate when I see the, the, the flock of the Lord being fleeced. Again, put that down, Steve. (laughs) But listen, when you say, I will praise the Lord, then again, it is the Lord making the way, but it's just walking in the way of the Lord. And again, he's gracious and full of compassion. And if he wasn't, we'd all be going to hell. We all would. We're not good. There's no good, no, not one. If this morning, if you get in that place, maybe you struggle with self-righteousness, please memorize Romans 3, 10 through 18. Because God just puts it in line right there. There's no righteous, no, not one. And then he says, there's none that do good, no, not one. And praise God, he doesn't just say this to leave us there, but to point us to the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's this, it's this emphasis. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's holy. We're not. And listen, nowadays, so many people take hell lightly because they don't get this. They don't recognize the holiness of God and the awesomeness of God. Men have so self-deified themselves. They don't understand how awesome and good he is. And so there's no fear of God. There's not even a fear of hell. And that's problematic. And yet in it, he's gracious and merciful and compassionate and wanting to save all that would call on his name. Notice verse 5, he's given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. We read in Acts 14, 17 and other places, he feeds the just and the unjust, but those who fear him, he gives us again a special food, the word of God, a ministry into our soul. We're a blessed people. And then I will ever be mindful, or he will ever be mindful of his covenant. This is glorious. We partook of communion this morning. Again, the reminder of the covenant we have with the Lord. He's always mindful of that, and we should rejoice because we read in Revelation 12, 10, we have an accuser who accuses us before God night and day. But we read in Romans 8, 34, the Lord makes intercession for us night and day. Satan, you know, says this, that. I've I, I shared this before, but if, if you have that mindset, oh, that devil's making up stuff about me. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to. Like that, that's a position of self-righteousness. And he's a liar. No doubt he probably does make some stuff up. But he don't have to because practically we're a work in progress, Right? He says, oh, they think I'm making stuff up about them. Oh, look how evil they are, you know. <laughs> I don't need to make it up. And yet the Lord Jesus between, here's the devil bringing accusation, and he stands between, you know what, him and the Father making intercession. I shed my blood for him. I shed my blood for him. They're covered by my blood. 
He always remembers his covenants. That's so glorious. Verse six, he has declared to his people the power of his works. Notice, to his people the power of his works. Those, his works are declared to the world, but as his people, we have the ability to actually see and acknowledge them and giving them the heritage of the nations. And again, we know that the nations are the Lord's inheritance. We read that in Psalm 2, verse 8 and other places. But we know he shares them with us that we'll rule and reign into eternity with them. Verse 7, the works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever are done in truth and righteousness. The works of his hands are verity or they're sincere. They're certain. They're true. They're trustworthy. And I think of the works of God's hands. I think of his nail-pierced hands. And that was a work done to atone for our sins. And hear this, it's a sure work. And I think this is a huge thing for us to rest in and rejoice in. It's a reminder that, again, the work of the cross is a sure work. Do you ever have a time when, you, you know, you've called on the Lord, you know you're saved, but then you think, I, I know I've called on him, but, you know, if I died right now, would I really be in heaven? We have assurance through the work of his hands that indeed, listen, that covenant stands fast forever and ever and ever and ever. This is why throughout the gospels, the Lord will use the word most assuredly. John 6, 47, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Is that not good news? Maybe you have loved ones that pass, that profess the Lord, and you're like, oh, are they with God? Most assuredly, all who believe in me has everlasting life. Again, his word holds up. It's sure. Let's not be ashamed of it in a world that wants to shun his word, that wants to mock him. Verse 9, and he sent redemption to his people. Turn page. (laughs) He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Listen, this whole verse here, I mean, this is all about the Lord. This verse here is specifically about Jesus. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. What's the redemption that we have? It's Jesus Christ. What's the covenant we have? It's through Jesus Christ, whose name is holy and awesome. It's the name of Jesus. That's why Satan so desperately wants to have it used as a curse word and thrown out in a vain manner. And it's why all the more we just say, I will praise the Lord and I will say it with a reverence towards God. Praise the Lord. Again, Hebrews 10, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And again, he has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his his covenant forever. That's the Lord. And finally here we come to verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. Listen, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, it will impact your life. 
for the better. The fear of the Lord brings wise living. Try to illustrate, because I something the fear of the Lord, people confuse it. They, the devil wants to twist that. He wants to present it as something that it's not. A lot of people shun even the, the phrase, the fear of the Lord. You don't hear it today like you should, though it's proclaimed throughout the word of God. Some people say, oh, the fear of God. Oh, you know, God's an abuser. It, that's not what this is speaking of. But let me illustrate it like this. Listen, the fear of fire will keep your hand out of the flame lest you be burned, right? And hopefully it keeps your hand out of the flame so your hand's not burned while at the same time you rejoice that that flame cooks your food and heats your home. And you rejoice in that. You're thankful for that. Listen, the fear of the highway keeps you paying attention lest you crash. Don't lose the fear of the highway and the road. People do it all the time. If you lose the fear of the highway, you may crash. You also may get a ticket, a correction. But hopefully, listen, at the same time, a fear of the highway makes us appreciate the fact that we have highways to drive on. I know we're way overtaxed, but at least we have some highways, amen? Listen, the fear of the Lord will keep you away from evil, knowing it will harm you, and knowing if you name in the name of Christ, God will correct you. While at the same time, the fear of the Lord will stir your heart to rejoice in the Lord, to praise the Lord because he is good, that I am blessed by him, I have eternal life, and life is found in praising the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. And when people lose a fear of the Lord, then guess what? They just go dabble in evil and they say, grace, brother, I'm good. No, God is going to take you to the woodshed, brother. And that's the grace of God. God will correct me. But oh, God loves me. He loves me even in correcting me. And he, he, you know what? Fellowship with him brings life. It's good. I have reverence for God who laid down his life for me and again that's the fear of the lord and notice a good understanding have those who do his commandments these things go hand in hand listen doers who do the word they get it they understand what life is about or about and where life is found solomon put it like this ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. matter. Let's, let's nutshell what life's about, he says. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Fear God and keep his commandments. Have a reverence for God. See, those who do not do the word of God, do not do his word, do not practice it, they're void of understanding. They don't get it. I won't read it, but Proverbs 7, 7 talks about, talks about a young man devoid of understanding. And he goes out in the street at night and, you know, and an adulteress says, oh, my husband's far away. Come on in. We'll have a great time. And it says he doesn't know that right past that door, the stairs go down to hell. And he doesn't know if you bring fire into your bosom, you're going to get burned. And he doesn't know, guess what? Her husband might show up at any time. And he's going to light you up. That's void of understanding. That's like a rat 
that eats the cheese on the trap. You don't get it, do you? Wrote it. Bam! But rats learn real quick. They'll see a dead rat and go, I ain't going to do that. And you got to be, you know, you got to keep trying new ways and so forth. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to be wiser than rodents. Amen. <laughs> Look at their scriptures that talk about applying your heart to understanding. And it all goes back to the word. And then finally, notice his praise endures forever. Heaven will be full of people praising the Lord forever. Hell's going to be full of folks who refuse to ever truly praise the Lord on earth when they were the closest to heaven they'll ever be. And in that sense, hell will be the most comfortable place for them. They don't want to praise the Lord, and yet it will be a place of torment forever. That's why we got to pray that people's eyes would be open to truth. As Deuteronomy 32, 29 says, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Let's stand up and we'll close in prayer. Lord, indeed, we praise you this morning. God, what a blessing. What a blessing to gather in your name, to praise the Lord together, to partake of communion, to open your word, God, and to be encouraged and God, equipped and exhorted and rebuked by your scriptures. But Lord, we even know the corrections you bring, Lord, would be that all the more we could abound in you. Let us be found a people, God, just growing in the fear of the Lord. Let us be found a people, Lord, abounding in reverence of worship. Let us be found a people abounding in the joy of fellowship with you and one another, God. Help us in these things, Lord. And if you're here and you haven't called upon the name of Christ, you need to get saved today. Our sin has separated us from God. He's holy. He's not going to bring rebellion into his kingdom. But the good news is that Jesus died for your sins. He paid the penalty of your debt. But you have to call on him. You have to humble your heart and say, yes, I am a sinner. Jesus, I am ready. I am ready to come to you. Wash me of my sin. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And listen, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's you, call on the Lord. We praise you, Lord. Let's finish well lifting our voices to our God. Let's worship them. is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and rich in love Lord is gracious and compassionate
encouraging. I feel admonished after that song. Well, I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord. I just pray you'd encourage others before you head out. God bless you in the Lord Jesus Christ.